Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Rugby Swag. Y'all, we got an amazing show for you today. We're going to be talking about how one of the top England rugby players is staying put in Marotoji. We got Pacific Four Series being announced. We're going to talk about how that is going to be significant to what happened in 2025 and what's moving forward. We will be talking Argentina's rugby strategy with one a special guest that I can't wait for you guys to be able to meet. Of course, Scott Lawrence is officially a GM and a coach. We know it. What does that mean for USA Rugby? And what does that mean for how USA Rugby men are going to be functioning moving forward? And of course, of course, we're going to talk with the people. This is all about the comments. Yo, this is Rugby Swag with Gift Gift Tommy Bailu. Yo, let's get to that opening intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Rugby Swag Show. As I said, welcome to Rugby Swag. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bailu. Of course, this is a show where we get to talk about all things happening around rugby and, of course, get a chance to connect with the people who have been able to find ways to find opportunity to out of this great sport of ours. Y'all, I hope you guys are having a great week. This is going to be a little bit of a different one than we've normally had, but you know what? Before we do absolutely get it started, I need you guys to please, please, please go ahead and like and subscribe to this uh, podcast on YouTube. Of course, of course, of course, yo, if you guys are unable to get to it, I mean, I know it's it's tough. Not everybody's hitting it in the same way. You guys can absolutely catch us up on social media. Uh, please absolutely check us out on Instagram at Rugby Swag Show. Uh, you guys can check us out on X at Gift Abelu, G-I-F-T-E-G-B-E-L-U. And then, of course, when it comes to Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch, uh, you guys can always go check us out at Gift Time Rugby, G-I-F-T-T-I-M-E Rugby. But... We're not going to be isolating out for just the people who need to physically be on, whether you're watching it or whether you want to follow us on social media, because you know what? We even are good within our audio straight. And when it comes to the audio, we are everywhere where podcasts are shown. Spotify, you can find us, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, all of the great ones. We are there, and we are excited to be able to reach you directly. And so I need you guys, if you guys don't haven't already done it, please go ahead and either subscribe to it on one of these audio podcasts or definitely subscribe to us on YouTube. Or if you do know about it and you are subscribing and you are getting to listen, please, please, please tell your friends. Yo, tell your loved ones. We want to make sure that they are capable of being able to be a part of the actual game. They know what's going on. They can keep informed with your rugby friends. They can impress your non-rugby friends because they know about the culture because we're all about making sure we know about what's going on in the culture. So I'm, I'm excited for you guys. I appreciate you guys. And I want to thank you guys for being able to consistently keep coming back each week and listening and conversing and bringing uh, so much value to what we do here. 
So I said this is going to be a slightly different week. If you guys haven't noticed, uh, we're not going to be doing live comments on this one. Uh, actually, tonight, uh, this is Wednesday, uh, February 7th. Tonight, I got a rugby practice going into doing forwards work and, and the, the goodness of that. Um, but so I'm not going to be able to be live on it today, but on top of that, we have a bit of a schedule change going on this next couple weeks. So as you guys have known, I told you I'm getting back into rugby and coming in next week, I am returning back onto the field for the first time since 2018. I will be heading out to Thailand to go play at the tremendous the marvelous Bangkok International Tens Tournament. So as a result of that, the travel that will be happening for this next week will prevent me from being able to be on with you directly uh, for, for next week, Wednesday. But have no fear. I have stuff ready for you guys. Y'all, we got some great interviews that will be coming up next week. Uh, listen out for... Eddie Evans, who is the CEO and the founder of the Bangkok International Tens, which is amazing stories. Uh, former Canada rugby player, played in Japan. He played against Jonah Lomo in the 1995, the famous 1995 Rugby World Cup. And uh, look, man, he had a great story. And in addition to that, we also will have on Wednesday. I'm not. I don't. I'm not here about trying to make super surprises. I just want you guys to know who we got. We got Rosalind Chow, uh, the Catherine Flores head coach for Brown University, former founding uh, coach and uh, of the Life University women's head coach. Another amazing story. So we got those going on for this next week while I am in the air because that 12 hour difference is going to be absolute hell after that we're going to play a little bit by ear see what it goes uh, i'm gonna be gone for a little bit but don't worry i have things ready for you just in case i'm not able to get it back so i i appreciate you guys patience and i appreciate you guys support thank you so much on on all of it but before we get started, obviously, I always say we need to go and make sure that we are saying thank you to our, our special, uh, the people who support us, the people who have helped us in what we needed to get done, uh, the people who who do what we need to, to help us get to where we need to go. And that starts off with uh, the James G. Robertson and Clive Sullivan Foundation. This is the rugby foundation that is supporting HBCU rugby's. Uh, they are bringing in, uh, doing their part to be able to bring in more rugby so that we can increase our talent, increase our viewership, increase our entertainment value, but most importantly, provide an opportunity uh, for many to be able to be a part of our wonderful community. Uh, you know, it, it, it's something that I'm absolutely a big believer of. Of course, I am a member on the board, so I know directly what it is that we are trying to do on a day-to-day -day basis. But always, whenever it comes to doing this, it always requires a little bit of support. And if you can, please absolutely go to the RSRF Rugby Foundation website at uh, www.rsrugbyfoundation.org. If you can, Please show your support by liking any of the social media pages that are out there and being able to follow the content. And of course, if you can uh, finance, donate anything that you can, $1, $100, it all works to the development and the growth of HBCU Rugby, a pinnacle component of American 
culture, American rugby, but of course, to be able to, again, continue to coalesce what the identity of American rugby is so we can go and kick some butt overseas and then take what we are properly owed or what we like to be properly owed. <laughs> But yes, absolutely go check them out at www.rsrugbyfoundation.org. And of course, y'all, look, we always got to say big shout out to Health Enhanced Foods. Thank you for being supported to Specialty Food Mix, number one in the country. You guys are wanting to be able to be a part of this. I'm going to let you guys check out our ads, and I'm going to bring us right back. I talk about who is making a major move to stay put when it comes to England rugby, y'all. I'm going to get into it a little bit more. Obviously, I talked a little bit more about it, but don't worry. We'll be right back with that first story of the day. This is Rugby Swag Show with Gifted Bailu. Check this out. I'm going to let you get back to the show in a moment, but I want to talk to you about our sponsors, Health Enhanced Foods, the best specialty flowers in the business. What does that mean for you? That is the flowers that allow you to be able to get the nutritious need from your Bread made, that's muffins, bread, croissants, whatever, pancakes and muffins. It will give you the opportunity to be able to get the best while still being able to eat like you wanted to. We have various amounts of products available for those who have special dietary needs to those who are looking for a special health outcome. And of course, because they're part of the Rugby Swag Show, we want to let you know that you got a chance to go to healthenhancefoods.com and use code Rugby swag to be able to get 20% off your first order. Y'all, this is something that you're going to need. You got to build up, have your energy at the best, be the maximum. It's 2024. Let's do the best. But now I want you guys to get into it. Let's get back to the show. All right, y'all. We are absolutely back, man. We got the first story of the day coming up. Of course, Maro Itoji has made the official announcement that he will be staying in England through at least 2027. It was announced a couple weeks ago where he was talking about the fact that he is absolutely addicted to completing the job where he is. Now, if you guys don't know, we talked about in the past, uh, he was really in consideration of stepping away from the Saracens, the premiership rugby team that he has been with from the academy since he was a kid and moving on. There's been constrictions in the budget when it comes to uh, premiership rugby, especially in the cap. And we are seeing like a lot of, of uh, uh, conflict when it comes to doing it. But you know what? Where there is a will, there is absolutely a way. And it looks like they managed to find a way. So he was not only able to re-sign a brand new contract with the Saracens, an undisclosed amount, though he was asking for somewhere around uh, four years, one million, three years, one million, something similar to Finn Russell deal at, at Bath. But he also has made a commitment to want to stay on with England rugby. And this is a big deal because this year we saw – Owen Farrell decided to take his mental health break away from England rugby at 33 years old. And not only did he step away from England, he also had the opportunity to go and shift over to from the Saracens going over to Rossing 92, in the top 14, go get his money. So I can understand where there was a lot of conflict with that. But man, Maro Toji seems to be about that life. And he said, I want to be not only 
stay. I'm here to make it on the British and Irish lines and go get this win that we so rightfully deserve. On top of that, you know, we want to be able to make sure that I am doing what I need to do for England. Like, this is a drug. He literally is like, this is a drug. You know, I need to get my Rugby World Cup win at some point in time. And, you know, he's still relatively young. He's 29. So he's, he's a, okay. He's, you know, he's coming on that, that point where, you know, there's not a whole lot of choices. Yes. You know, he can, he can probably make the move and do the bump, but I think he does well between his sponsorship deals. He's got modeling deals, you know, obviously he's a very big name when it comes to the rugby community and has a little bit of pop culture appeal. I think more so over in England than across the board, but of course he's one of the best locks in the world easily, you know, so it's just, you know, opportunities flowing. So this is a very great, big news, very significant news for England rugby. And uh, of course, like you want to be able to see, you want your best players to stay through. Nothing taken away from Owen Farrell because I am a big believer. Go get your money. You put your body on the line. You've done so much, regardless of how you feel, you play immaculately. Yo, you are allowed to go get yours. So both of them, everybody's happy. I think the Saracens become a little bit more stable of an organization without so much questions about what they're going to end up doing. So, man, big kudos out to them for that one. All right. So next up, uh, you know, I, I want to get into uh, the 2024 Pacific Four Series has been absolutely announced. All right. Like, we are looking at what can be now a very significant factor into what plays for the 2025 Rugby World Cup in terms of placement, but also a direct impact with the WXV tournament, the uh, new international test schedule tournament, the three tiers, one, two, and three, that has now started off this past year for real really started off this past year for real, but it's really taken off and has real significant value. So before we get it all started up and whatnot, what is the Pacific Rugby, uh, what is the Pacific Four Series? Well, look, the Pacific Four Series is the uh, rugby series for women that takes uh, on Australia, New Zealand, USA, and Canada. It was one to be able to get a little bit of work for the Americas and help develop them up. And of course, a great uh, rivalry with New Zealand and Australia, two of the top teams. So on one hand, uh, New Zealand and Australia try and tap into the U.S. market. And on the other hand, USA and Canada go ahead and increase their uh, work of play to be able to make you know, get better as it goes. But why does this year matter probably more than anything else? Well, there's been some changes. There's been some changes, people. All right. And in this one, the winners, uh, winner of this gets a spot, an automatic spot into the Women's Rugby World Cup 2025 that's going on for next year, a spot that hasn't been filled yet. On top of that, the top three winners. Top three winners get to go and play in the WXV1 tournament. Now, this is significant because in WXV1, there was nobody that's supposed to be relegating into it for a few years. So the initial set was the USA was sitting at WXV2. Um, you had your top tiers, Canada, uh, uh, England, uh, Wales, Scotland, um, uh, I think I said England. Um, 
all competing in New Zealand and Australia, all competing in the WXV1. And basically, they had a competition. Nothing really changed. We, the people who won absolutely won when New Zealand and the people who lost, you know, just stayed, which was, I think, Wales in that situation. But this, this lets a spot that also means that there's somebody that's getting regulate relegated out outside of the WXV1 uh, positioning. And this is an opportunity for the U.S. to be able to move up. Now, WXV2 tournament, USA didn't do that great in WXV2, you know. Uh, it got win over, like, Japan and Samoa, but, like, they ain't really – actually, not even Japan, like, just Samoa. Uh, and they, they, didn't, they didn't do great in the 15s tournament, right? But – Again, an opportunity to be able to get two things out of this. One, one of the automatic biddings, because right now the USA and Australia are the only two teams that don't have an automatic bidding simply because uh, New Zealand and Canada uh, finished in the top four in the Rugby World Cup in 2021. So they got automatic billing going into 2025 Rugby World Cup. Australia and the U.S. are now absolutely looking to be able to get an immediate spot on there. It's an immediate spot. And so that would cut the amount of time if the USA can play up. And I think this is going to speak a lot of volumes. Now you got a brand new head coach in uh, Sion Fukosoa uh, in for the women's head co coach who's from Australia and had worked under the Australian uh, uh, rugby union with the women. So not only do you have the secret sauce and one of the guys who's trained them up, but you also have the ability to have a guy who has a different perspective and can choose the right players as well as increase the level of competition that can be ready for uh, this WXV, the, for this Pacific uh uh, four series like the u.s has an opportunity to make a name for himself no more testing all right no more trying to be like hey what can we do because the worst thing that you could ask for is that the usa lets themselves get relegated to going through the rugby america's north and trying to win in that which is a competition they really arguably could win uh they're not going against canada so um there's no worries about a finish from there and the caribbean uh, teams and Mexico aren't exactly the strongest, but why, why wait until the last second? Why wait until the last second? Why not go ahead and get the kick? So I think this Pacific, uh, Pacific, uh, four series is going to be a huge opener for, uh, for the USA head coach Sion and what he does with this team moving forward. All right. So so, you know, the uh, it starts in April 27th. Uh, it's going to be hosted in Australia, New Zealand, and the USA. Uh, USA will take on Canada April 27th. Uh, Saturday uh, of May 11th, it'll be New Zealand versus USA in New Zealand and Australia versus Canada in Australia. Uh, the 17th of May, a week later, it's going to be Australia versus USA in Australia, which will be a very pivotal game for that USA team, really for both of them, but particularly for that. And then on May 25th, New Zealand versus Australia for what would be pivotal for Australia, but I think it's just simply a 2025 warm-up for New Zealand as they try and set themselves up 
and get them figure out their team over the next 18 months. You know, they're going to be bringing in a lot of new people, but we know they're probably basically going to have about the same people they've had for the last, what, almost decade now, eight years uh, by 2025. So seven years. They will probably see about the same people over and over. So I'm not going to be surprised by the selections, um, but that's part of it. But let me know what you guys think about this. I think this is a pretty big deal. I, I think it's one of those things that need to be talked about way, way more because of the fact that it makes such a difference for how we view uh, the our, obviously our U.S. women's team and how this uh, women's development uh, test schedule is going to either increase the competition and allow teams to be able to develop in, a diff in, in an organic way, or it's going to overwork and, and everybody's going to really stand out where they're supposed to be. Uh, I, I think it's huge. And for the U.S., very big because of 2033. This is where it really gets started. Uh, and on that development, you got you have a solid, what, eight years to get ready, seven years, six years, six years to get ready. Yo, what, what, what do we got to do? What do we have to do? That doesn't make sense. Six years is too short. It's a solid eight years to get ready. Solid eight years to get ready. So uh, I let me know what you guys think about this. Where do you feel like this USA team needs to repair themselves? Where do you feel like they need to go? And of course, who do you think is going to come out on top of this? It matters. So you need to know about it. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll be right back with some ads. Y'all, I told y'all we need to know what is going on with Argentina. I am saying that their imperialism is be just beginning. But you guys, I have a special guest who's going to talk to us in detail about what it takes and what Argentina is actually doing to be able to set themselves up. We're going to be right back. This is a Rugby Swag Show with Gift Gift Time at Bailu. Uh, we'll be back right after these messages. Hey, everybody. This is just the break train sending out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where I am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. I needed help. And it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is an extroverted tour de force. But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Yeah! Gift, where are we? We're in Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, seven. Yeah. Rugby is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries. We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet, at that critical moment, Friends, family, sometimes complete strangers come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. Watch the full adventure 
at crugby.vhx.tv. That's C like S-E-E rugby.vhx.tv. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you guys had a good one. Look, we want to talk about what's going on in Argentina. For the last several weeks, really since the end of the Rugby World Cup, I have been saying that Argentina is about to make one of the biggest leaps. And why is that? Not only... It's not only just because of where they finished within the quarterfinals, in the semifinals, uh, in the Rugby World Cup, but what they're also doing in sevens. They recently won both Perth and Dubai uh, and Cape Town sevens in back-to-back efforts. They have seen a meteoric rise in talent on their sevens side. And, of course, from their 15th side, they've continued to be able to build and be a regular powerhouse. Now, on top of that, we know about their efforts that they've done with the Jaguars uh, going, oh, I'm sorry, with the Pumas playing in the rugby championships where they even beat Australia last year, even though many people would blame that on Eddie Jones being a poor coach for Australia in that situation. But they beat Australia. They have now announced that they are returning the, back to Super Rugby with the Jaguars. Uh, they have their teams in the Dogos and the Pampas uh, that are playing strong in Super Rugby Americas. And they are constantly sending players actively into Europe. On top of the fact that there are more players now going to the Miami Shark, which I consider that as Argentina's USA professional side. So you have such a slew of talent that you have all these spread of players everywhere, and we're seeing legitimate results happening. And we know that people uh, like Gaston uh, Pichot has been very active in wanting to show not only the rise of being able to make Tier 2 better, but also to be able to show Argentina's depth and growth and just just a whole slew. And it has been something that has been just a theoretical and, and marvel to be able to watch. And thankfully, we had a great person to be able to come and be able to explain it out. Uh, we have former uh, former Puma, uh, Eusebio Gunetsu, who is a former uh, Argentina Puma. He played hooker for the Pumas. He's part of that 2017 that almost made it to the Rugby World Cup, lost to third place France. He has played for Toulouse, Bath, Toulon, Munster, and the Stormers. He is currently an up-and-coming, uh, he's currently a coach for up-and-coming players and a consultant for the Argentina Rugby Union. Guys, I want you guys to take a huge welcome to be able to meet, to introduce Yusubio Ginyetsu into the program. Y'all, please, welcome, give him a round of applause. Let's go. Good to be here. Thank you for uh, the invitation. Man, it is an absolute pleasure. You know, um, I I I I want to get right into it. You know, I, I talk very much about how Argentina, especially at this last Rugby World Cup, continues to show the world exactly how much talent and how much it's been able to develop. Obviously, in sevens, back-to-back winners uh, right now, uh, and has been continuing to rise. In 15, we've known that they've been an established uh, space, but what's even more impressive is now Super Rugby Americas with the Dogos and Pampas, uh, the new in- initiative to bring Super Rugby back, the Jaguars, and return them into the Super Rugby arena. And, of course, the number of players that are playing in top 14 in premiership. Like, Argentina is going everywhere. But the thing that has always been really confusing is Argentina's economy has been very, very 
iffy as of lately, but the sports have been on point. Soccer, basketball, now rugby. So in terms of the rugby, I kind of want to well get a little background of what you, you are and then talk about how Argentina is doing. So if you can, can you tell us a little bit about um, where you're from and, and, and how did you get started with Argentina rugby? Well, as you may know, I played for Argentina for more than 12 years. Um, I also played for a few teams in Europe, in the UK, in France, in Ireland. I played for the Stormers in South Africa as well. But seven years ago, I retired and came back living to Argentina, where I was born. So I'm actually in Mendoza, Argentina, which is in the west of the country. Um, since that day, I started working as director of rugby of my province. Um, working together with the national union in all the development and the competitions that we believe Argentina needed to grow. Oh, okay. So, so in in that, like, you know, you you're playing, you played through multiple rugby world cups. Then you've 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 been able to have that experience, Argentina. What is the secret that Argentina has been having? to be able to be such a consistent powerhouse in an area that is not considered a major rugby powerhouse area. You know, South America is considered a strong tier two area, tier three in some essence. What makes Argentina so special, in your opinion, for them to have been able to set a consistency as, as a tier one nation? I think the most special thing we have is our clubs. In Argentina, we have club rugby, which is not professional, but it's very, very tight culture-wise. So when we start development, the, all the development of, of the high-performance centers, uh, we start looking for competition, for annual competitions for our youngsters and our players, we keep that in mind. So now you can get that kind of mix, like you get the guys coming up from the clubs with a very strong amateur culture about this, what rugby means, about rugby values, and they get inserted in a professional setup, in a high-performance setup. And that's a very nice mix. So I think that what it what makes today Argentina uh, getting better and better. That all the things start like maybe 10, 15 years ago when we start looking for more competition and we start thinking about how to develop our athletes and our coaches. And we went through a lot of different things. A uh, long time ago, we got a team called the Pampas who were playing in South Africa in the Vodacom Cup. And then most of those guys, they end by playing for the Pumas. Yeah. Um, then we have the Jaguares playing the Super Rugby. And that was amazing for us because we get all the people to get into rugby in a really football soccer country. So we got all the people look into the rugby and really pay attention to it. And, um, and now we end by having a very, a very nice high-performance national structure, right. which allows you to make all the players' detection in a very early ages, and then allows you to have all the players with you, which is very important because in, in my time, most of the Pumas used to play in Europe. So it was very difficult to set yeah. up a, a proper squad, you know, in like in a daily basis. 
you know, and I find that interesting because, you know, it's not an unusual setup that goes for most countries. Obviously, there's a club setup. You you have a few players that go and find themselves overseas, but you don't see the results and the returns that you guys do have. Is it simply because of the fact that you guys uh, is? I guess maybe a better way of asking is: is the structure that you guys have? secured solely by the fact that you guys have a lot of passion and like to play or uh is it uh is there something that comes with those individual amateur clubs that allow the players to feel um grounded enough to be able to develop and have the confidence to go overseas and play against south africa and compete against south africa but to be able to to kind of come back and and still develop at the same level well it's 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 a mix of things like everything in life nothing is i mean it's everything is a process and a long-term process so that amateur culture uh gives you what i mean the passion of the players wanting to play for the nation right they they just want to play for them they play in the best teams in europe but they want to come back and play for argentina Wow. Uh, because they come from those clubs they know they are playing for their families for their friends and that's what those clubs gives you that passion and that belief and that that thing it's, it's an extra thing that you know those those guys they really want to play for the pumas and but nothing grows without a structure so you need you you need to have that uh, high performance setup mm-hmm. so they can really develop themselves. So now we're living in this situation where the guys went back to Europe looking for good clubs and good competitions, but in the, for the youngsters or, or for the guys we are developing, we have five centers, we call it academies. We, we divide the country in five different regions Mm-hmm. We have five different academies, high-performance academies. Each one of those academies, they have different centers in the provinces that allows you to follow the guys from when they are 13 or 14, 15 years old, and you, you can follow them. That allows you as well to all, all the coaching development. You, you can do it in that academy. And then... Today, those guys who really step up, they can play for the under-20s, they can play for the Pumas, they can play for Argentina A, and they can play as well for Pampas or Dogos, which are, which, is, which are our franchises playing the South American League. Mm. So that allows you, you have all the Pumas playing in Europe, those 30 uh, elite guys playing for European clubs, but that allows right. you to have more than 100 guys playing for the franchises. So they're playing for for Dogos, for Pampas, and that allows you to have like more than a hundred players playing in good competitions and good level. That will definitely get all the standards higher. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, And it makes the countries become less large because you have these central locations that basically are absorbing in that that those regional areas. Do you guys use that not just as a central location for the players, and you might have said it, but do you guys use it as a central location for coaching development as well? Yeah, the thing is, 
when you when you have all the country working in the same way that allows you to to have just one line of coaching and to all those coaches coming from the clubs they're really coachable because they can go to the academy and work together so let's say a guy from my city in mendoza which is like 1000 kilometers from buenos aires they're they're learning and teaching the same things that the guys in buenos aires does right um a guy from i don't know any 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 athletes from let's say 18 years old they're pro probably working in the same way the pumas will do that it's very interesting because in this in this path of growing uh this way gives you a common culture a common way to work which is very good because as you see in the sevens they are they are playing new guys and they just get into the team and they just know what they have to do and they just can be straight away so that that's a good thing to do you know that that i like that okay that that makes like i said makes a ton of sense and 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 again you know the biggest issue is how do you shrink the country into a common uh, a common union well you make everybody basically a franchise of a franchise in essence you get we what we did like uh maybe eight or ten years ago mm -hmm. our country is divided by provinces which is like in the us you get every state you got right. like 51 states we got 23 provinces in every single province we built a, a high performance center where we get at 15 years old the best players of each club those centers in the provinces they belong to an academy so we have 18 provinces working the same way yeah. and five high performance academy around the country yeah they are all doing the same thing they are all working the same way okay so then my next question is which is where it goes to like industry how does this stay funded so you know uh within uh you know within our rugby now you know most of it has come from obviously dues but paid to the individual clubs and then the issue ends up coming if a person is unable to pay you know you don't have access to either that talent or you know they they go off of their their way and this in particular hits within the youth rugby so where you're talking about being able to access kids third at 13 to start finding them you know it's much it's much more difficult to find that uh, in the US and you start except for in specific areas and uh, you now start hitting people at 16 18 20 which is much later in the rugby development so for a place for for you guys using these academies how is the how is the funding structure set where everybody is able to still get their able to function and do their job while being able to spot these talents in their regions and subsequently create the proper funnel for development well it's it's a good question because all the founding thing in in our economy is really challenging uh <laughs> it's not really my domain it's not really my thing because i'm, I'm a coach but i think he, the what the the argentinian rugby union started doing it long long time ago it's 
I think they get some funding for World Rugby. Mm-hmm. But then, in the other side, you get to you need to have the, your own funding. So then is when you need very good competition for the Pumas, because the only way to get people in is having a, a, a is the Pumas having doing doing a good work, or the same thing happened when he, when we have Hawares playing the Super Rugby. That's how you get money. That's how you get a product. So then you can go. Um, and used that money to get the academies. But it was a really long path. I mean, it wasn't easy. And <laughs> the, the academies at the beginning were really, um, really with a lot, a lot of effort. We, we didn't have this, the best things, the best setup. But we right. said, okay, we have to do it anyway. If we don't have the best pitch in the world or the best gym, we have to start anyway and we'll get better. So, and, and just to be clear, every academy or every high-performance center, it will have like two or three people who get paid to do it, yeah. but then the players, they will never get paid. Right. The players, they still play for their clubs, not professional, but right. they have two, three times training sessions a week right. where they can really get their standards up, but they don't get paid. Are they paying dues? No, they no. still play for the clubs. Right. They they only come to the academy if we call them, right? Because they believe we believe they can do better, so we call them, and they have to keep studying. They will never left school or university wherever. They they will keep studying. Mm-hmm. They will keep playing for the clubs until they have an age where they can go to a franchise or to the sevens or the Pumas or whatever they do. Nice. So that, like I said, continues to make a lot of sense where it, it feels, it doesn't put so much strain, uh, budgetary strain on any individual entity, but those kids are still able to access more without having to put out necessarily outside of their travel to the academy itself. Exactly, but otherwise, it's a huge country like like for you guys. If you have to travel every time, it would be very difficult. And then what's happening is you get like 50% of our players, they are based in Buenos Aires. So what happened is it was very difficult to get talents from other cities. Mm-hmm. Now, we are sure that if we get a good guy, a good player, in anywhere far away, we get him early enough. That I love that. I love that. So now where you guys are at and and like I said before, you know, you guys have now established in Super Rugby Americas, you guys are establishing in Super Rugby, uh, you guys established in Europe. Is there a plan that that Argentina is going? Because I know um uh uh Augustine has been very vocal about wanting to make sure that Tier 2 particularly is getting its playtime. And I feel like Argentina is really the leader, while not a Tier 2 team, understands Tier 2 problems uh, that exist in in the element. Uh, Is there the plan of trying to increase um, your your range so that it can also come back to assist places like South America, uh, where you have like Brazil arising you know, population and economy that can do a lot with rugby or what you see with Chile and Uruguay who have been able to increase their rugby. 
is there is the reason why you're creating these elements help to just assist Argentina rugby or to be able to help South America overall? Yeah, for, from the coaching point of view, mm. it's impossible to grow without the region going the same way. Right. If we want more competition for our players, you need to make all those countries around you get better. Right. So as you're seeing with Chile, Uruguay in the World Cup, or what Colombia, Brazil is doing, um, we need to grow together. You know, right. if, if they get better competition, if they get better players, it will be better competition for us. Right. If Argentina build uh, a bigger structure, that will definitely help Chile, Uruguay, and those countries, uh, as we are seeing in the Super Rugby Americas. I mean, they are growing and growing. And Argentina will be the lead country on that, but they, they are pushing back, they're pushing forward behind us, and they will definitely grow. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's very difficult to see this as just us. I think so. I think we all need to grow up together, the whole region. Again, what do they say? A rising tide lifts all boats. And this is where yeah. you, you come from with this. I, I know is, I see. There is, there is no other way to grow than competing. As a player, as a team, as a country, doesn't matter. The only way to grow or, or to get better is competition. Agreed. Agreed. So now that you we like I said, we see all these elements. I wonder, do you foresee even a possibility where there might be a super league or maybe a, a European rugby championship kind of concept between uh, North America and South America? I know we've had competitions that are like um, uh, the America's Championship Cup and stuff like that, that uh, Argentina has very lightly been a participant since they've done so much with the rugby championships, done so much with the Jaguars, but obviously with the Pampas and, and Dogos, that makes it easier to be able to work within the region and play at a high competition. But do you think that there would be a advantage both from the players' level, and I know you look at it from the coach, but I'm going to say even from a business standpoint, from a, a business uh, modeling where a URC where maybe uh, – Canada, USA, Mexico, the Caribbean versus Argentina and South America, Brazil, and and creating a, a club URC in, in connection. Do you think that would be something that would be an additional benefit or even a capability from, from the perspective you're seeing of growth? No, yeah, I think it will be very, if one day that happens, it will be very good for all of us because the, the whole rugby, you, you, you got the whole world rugby is in Europe uh, because they have the history, they have the best teams and whatever. And you have all the southern rugby with Australia, South Africa and New Zealand. And, and we need to get a stronger in America. Mm. Um, and the best way is, to, is, I think, is to do it together. From the business point of view, from the coach's point of view, for the co from the competition point of view as well, I think is that's the way they are thinking about going, I think is the right way. No, and I, I, I see that. I see that. Last question for you uh, before I let you go, because I, I appreciate Like, you've set a base that I did not even realize that I, I think 
is something that we can really learn, especially here in the States when we talk about regionality, uh, because there, there are levels of academies that can work, but I don't think there's any centralized uh, location. Like the, the, the major league rugby teams try and maybe present a little bit as, you know, a, 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 a large base, but I don't think they're necessarily capable of doing it on their own on top of the fact that it may not necessarily uh, uh, agree with their exact objective. But do you feel like Argentina is, can be put into a position where they can lead more competition between these other nations where they can still get the amount of play, but be able to grow despite the isolation from tier one? In an ideal scenario, for us, I think it will be going back to something like when we have Jaguars playing the Super Rugby, because that allows you to have all the Pumas, all the best players in the country in a daily basis working with you. Mm -hmm. What happened with us was when we when that when that tournament finished, all the guys went back to Europe looking for clubs. But if you if you have the right competition, if you get to have another competition as we used to have super rugby those guys will stay and you will have your better players playing i mean indoor country working every day um and that's very important then if you are, if you have all the americas competition you will have those guys like today playing for those or pampas they can be playing with all the americas so then we have all the youngsters Develop, development in the academies, a first level, let's say tier two franchise level, having competition the whole year, and then you will have the best players playing for Super Rugby or something like that. So you will, you will really have an impact in your game. And then if you, instead of having two or three teams, you will have five, and then the growing will start. So that will be like kind of an ideal thing. Then as we said before, it's not very easy to do it, and it takes a lot of time. But if worldwide the tier two is getting better competition, a more equal competition, that will allow us to get there somehow. I so, I, I love that. That that I, I like that, and you know that's that's where I like you said it becomes idea because the spreading of talent into other areas and lack of the synchronization. Uh, uh, between players always ends up being a little bit of um, uh, a, a negative on, on performance yeah. when it comes to the highest levels. I lied to you and I said that was my last question. I do have one more question yeah. for you. <laughs> um, one, one, one thing that I always talk about is the way that um, rugby's messaging gets presented to uh, casual crowds. Mm -hmm. I know within the community, we are very, very adamant about camaraderie and about the team and of course trying to bring players and that that family feeling is a lot of why we all play the game on top of just being able to run over people and hit people like it, it's the combination the social as well in in argentina um do you guys do any special uh programming like for example we just the six nations full contact uh happening on netflix uh, documentary, not the first documentary in rugby to happen, but on a platform this big, it, it and that was promoted significant. Do you guys do things, whether in programming or at least off off of the field, 
um, that helps casual viewers of uh, casual spectators to be able to come to rugby games, whether it's a Jaguars game, a Pumas game, or even the individual clubs that helps them be able to educate and understand, or do you guys just rely on the word of mouth of club players to do it? Well, we, we actually do, do both things. I, I go back now to those clubs, rugby clubs we have. Yes. In those rugby clubs, it's, it's really a social environment. You go there because you have your friends, because you have your family in that club, not just to play rugby. So, in my case, for example, I started going to my club with my old man, with my father, when I was five years old, wow. and I didn't even play rugby. Every Saturday of my life, I knew that I'm going to the club. Yeah. Then, once in the club, I decide if I want to play rugby or not. Right. But it's a place you go, it's a place where you de develop people, not just rugby players. Right. So that's one thing I think Argentina is very good at. The other thing is with the Argentinian Rugby Union, we, we do a lot of things like kind of bring rugby to the people because we are in a very football country, everybody. Just a little bit, just a little bit of a football country. You know? <laughs> so, you know, like if you go to, to, to any town, people will be playing soccer. So what we do is we bring rugby to the people. We show them how it works. We play tag rugby with them. Yeah. Uh, especially to places where we know that they don't know much about rugby or they believe rugby it's a, it's a difficult sport or whatever. So we, they, they have a lot of um, things happening on bringing rugby to the people and show them. Mm -hmm. And their results also help when you get the Pumas playing in good in the World Cup or when you get the sevens top one in the world like it is right now. Mm -hmm. uh, people start following up, start, start asking questions. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a whole thing. I mean, you need to spread out the values so you get people coming to the clubs. Right. And then you, you have to bring rugby to the people as well. And then at the same time, you need those teams doing well worldwide so you go on TV and people can see it. it it's a mix of things. Oh, that that again, it, it's all connected and yeah. it, it all works within one big cycle. And that, that, that honestly, that, it's very simple, a lot of work, but it absolutely makes the most amount of sense uh, yeah. when it's all said and done. So, oh, no, I, I, I definitely appreciate um, the breakdown of that, because, again, a lot of confusion. I think a lot of us really watch Argentina and see how significant they have been. And how powerful they've been, how close they are to championships. So it's it's always a wonder to me, why isn't this being copied? So it's, it seems very copyable, you know, just yeah. with time. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a fantastic sport. If, if you think for many, like every everybody can play rugby. If you're big, if you're tall, if you're fast, if you're slow, we got a job for you. Right. If you come to rugby team, you will have something to do. Doesn't matter how you, how fast you are, how big you are. If you are tall, you will be a lock. If you're not tall, you play for the backs or whatever. You know, yeah. if you're a big man, we need you as a prop. So everybody can play rugby. And then all the all the teamwork around. There are tools that help for life, not just for the sport. Right. So that's probably the message we need to spread out.
and in, in places where rugby is not that famous because it's 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 a unique sport imagine we're, we are hitting guys we're hitting guys it's a contact sport and you need to do it always under the law right you cannot cross that line you can right. hit a guy hard enough without crossing that line right doesn't exist in any other sport so it's 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 a temper kind of thing it's it's a sport that that teach you a lot about life about keep going about how to resolve problems about camaraderie so that's probably the message we need to spread out more no i i love that i love that you see I want to thank you so much for taking the time. If you can, can you tell people where maybe they can find you or reach out to you if they are, I mean, if they end up in Argentina or looking for a, a coach, how can they re talk to you? It's Euse, as my surname is E-U-S-E, Guinea-Sue, like my surname, so it will be E-U-S-E, G-U-I-N-A-Z-U. Euse Guinea-Sue. I love it. I love it. You see, you. Thank you so much. And uh, we're definitely going to bring it back because we got more to talk about in the future about your actual story. I uh, <laughs> hope you're ready. Thank but you. <laughs> thanks for having me here. That was Eusebio Guinezu. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed, learned a whole lot from that i know i absolutely did we'll be right back we're going to talk about scott lawrence's appointment and what that means for the anthem the usa rugby pathway we got just a little bit more going on we'll be right back this is rugby swag show with gift a Bailu. before i let you guys get back to it i want you guys to go check out rugbyoutletmall.com Yo, this is the place where we are bringing in casual rugby wear. We're trying to set up the designs, make sure that we are giving you something to represent rugby. That's not just a jersey, and that's not just your kit. It is something that you and your friends and your mama and your kids and your parents and your best friend and your wife and your husband and your boyfriend and girlfriend and your they and just make sure that everybody is able to rock some rugby gear without having to necessarily be stuck to any one type of rugby gear. We want it for your day-to-day, -day, everyday life. I know that's redundant, but that's how beautiful we want it to be. You know, definitely check out our most recent update, our rugby swag show shirts uh they're available now for purchase you guys can get it and for any first time buyers I'm talking to you yo i'm giving you guys 20 percent off the first purchase take as many as you want 20 percent off the first purchase and of course if you guys will get on the newsletter you guys are going to see more coupons and discounts that come along with that as well, too. But 20% off, and all you guys need to use is coupon code GROWRUGBY. That is G-R-E-A-U-X, rugby. Great quality gear. Definitely something for your presence, something to be able to give. Obviously, we just got past the year, so that means birthdays are coming out. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and you have so much more. Go hook your family. Hook your people up with what's right. Go to RugbyOutletMall.com and enjoy out. And, of course, it helps support the show and our media endeavors. Let's get you back.
All right, y'all. We are back, man. Scott Lawrence, Scott Lawrence, Scott Lawrence. The man finally, after a year, almost a year now, of being known as the interim head coach for USA Rugby Men, has officially been named the official head coach and general manager for the USA Rugby Men's team. Big Big deal, big deal, big deal, big deal. I think there's a lot. We, If you guys don't know what Scott Lawrence has been able to do, Scott Lawrence has been really pinnacle, especially when it came to developing the uh, U-20 side. He's been able to been a load whenever he was with Life University, absolute winner. He was a load whenever he was with Rugby ATL taking them to the championship, building that team up from the ground up before he stepped down and moved into more of a national side. But he is one that I can safely say, when you're talking about an American coach that probably has all the qualities that you want from an American rugby coach, Scott Lawrence is that guy. All right. Scott Lawrence is absolutely that guy. So, you know, I, I, really was happy when they finally did, especially because we're still looking for USA Rugby CEO. So for the board to finally make the decision, I think was was particularly very, very important. But that being said, that being said, uh, what does now come is what happens with the pathway for rugby, right? Uh, and I think this is where it becomes very important because now we know, obviously, the Anthem uh, Charlotte, the Anthem Carolina rugby team is a preeminent pathway to the national side uh, for through this professional end. And on top of obviously Lawrence now being the GM for USA Rugby and, and the head coach, it looks like he is at least sticking his hands in the uh, in the jar when it comes to being able to, you know, work on what the anthem has been able to do uh, and work on what the anthem is, is looking to be able to get out of their situation. Uh, I, I do wonder, um, you know, again, I've, I've shown my, my uh, holdbacks, uh, my, my, my hesitancy on the significance of this program uh, really being able to, what's the best word? be the best utilization for USA rugby and its development. But of course, obviously the intent is to be able to build up the build up the on field side. So I, I I'm, I'm really hyped that they have a plan with it, but this is where it gets iffy. So Scott Lawrence put together a bit of a, uh, a plan that was on um, his LinkedIn if, if you may, he put it on his LinkedIn page. Um, and uh, this is where it was. It's called the Gemini Big Plays. Basically, it's a pathway that goes from the U.S. 20s through the anthem into uh, the USA rugby squad. So I, I, I want to go into it with a little bit more detail um, for it. And, and again, to speak to what the anthem really means in terms of everything. So before we get started, I kind of want to go into like why this Anthem team got made again. Uh, a great interview with Matt McCarthy and Scott Lawrence on his show, on uh, Matt McCarthy's rugby wrap-up show, MLR Weekly. 
uh, was done where, uh, you know, Scott Lawrence kind of played into it, uh, explained a little bit of why this this was even made in the first place. So I kind of want to give you that before we we make the next move uh, and, and then let you guys kind of take it from uh, uh, that standpoint. So check this out. Certainly, out of nowhere comes this team in Charlotte. And from what I understand, World Rugby has got an investment in it. And the, like, two-thirds and the MLR owners will have the other third. So Mm -hmm. just briefly, how did this all come about? Well, I think when when we had uh, New York and and, uh, Toronto both, um, you know, kind of lead the league, there just seemed to be a, a risk to the American playing base. Um, there's just, you know, less places to go around. And uh, and so we, at that time, it was actually kind of an offhand comment and just kind of called the uh, the guy I was working with at World Rugby and High Performance. And I said, you know, we've got a lot of egos there in New York. We'd, you know, we were always planning to try this for 2025. We were always talking about it. And we had a ramp and a runway to, to build a team to help us for World Cup 2027 qualification. So it wasn't a new concept. It just said, uh, can we accelerate it? And uh, and and so we we had the chat and it was long, it was right after that. And as these things do, they don't move as quickly as you want. You know, it takes time to get people on board and boards to approve things and uh, things like that. But, um, but I think that's where it started. And then really it was, you know, that was kind of the end of, my involvement and it really took off from there. World Rugby took it and um, Major League Rugby took it and USA Rugby got together and and they kind of took it from there. Well, it's a- so, you know, as you can see, it's, it's something that clearly was built on the idea of, you know, the USA players. This is not new. So as it comes back now to what does that mean for the, uh, what does that mean for the uh the the pathway so like i said scott put up a a little graphic and in that graphic he pointed out three way three a kind of a tunnel system from the u20 so first off starting off with the u20s uh to the junior world cup competitions and the u18s new competition uh almost creating uh using that as the principal funnel again why he's obviously incredibly connected over with that U20 side is something that is of his creation to extend of helping to fund it uh, and, and coach it. And obviously being able to use them as a funnel, which again, after talking with uh, Eusebio, which was amazing, uh, you can kind of see uh, a little bit of that element, obviously of trying to use the pathway again, not unfamiliar, right? This is when it becomes interesting. And then from there, it's driving those kids. And I guess, uh, uh, basically that pool of kids into a national uh, uh, high performance academy under AT, uh, under Anthem uh, Rugby Carolina. Uh, and so that's where it becomes very interesting to me before and, and them either going through obviously the Anthem team as it seems to be shown or at least their academy program and then leading them in through the Pacific Nations Cup uh, which will allow eight to 11 tests per year, uh, qualifying for 2025, and then subsequently for the 2027 Rugby World Cup. 
and create this Eagles 365 standard. Uh, again, I, 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 it sound, but it does go back again to be like, is this now the primary way? So does this mean that whenever we have Anthem players, Anthem players are essentially the professional equivalent of what we see with the USA Falcons, USA Hawks, um, you know, is, is this the principal way to be able to get players into the national side? And if they don't, what about players that go on other teams? Uh, do they have a lesser chance? So uh, I, I do like the fact that there is something that's, again, consistent, even as we keep building and rebuilding and building and rebuilding this pathway. But like I said, that Anthem team, I do wonder how much control uh, and how much impact that does. And of course, as we've talked about before, what happens after maybe 2027 or 2031 and World Rugby says we no longer want to be able to hold this because it's no longer in our voting interest to be able to bring this consistently. I would like to continue to see that. And we're still waiting to hear more information about what that is actually going to look like uh, whenever we are seeing these players, uh, as seeing this program play itself out. And we know, especially when it comes to cap and everything like that, like what is it that World Rugby is trying to do? Because we see them being more media. Now they're trying to go into privatization of, of teams. Um, I mean, again, their outcome is probably is to have a competitive-looking USA team for 2031. But, you know, there, there's, there's implications that come with this and a lot of runoff. It, it really gives in the same mindset of whenever the NBA kind of took over the New Orleans Hornets at the time in 2005 and uh, prevented the trade, quote, quote, that prevented uh, Chris Paul from playing with Kobe Bryant in that uh, 2006 year after that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of implication that, you know, it, it can be a conflict of interest um, and also outside the range of what world rugby is supposed to do, let alone USA rugby is supposed to do. But uh, as I said before, uh, I, I, I am now uniquely interested in how this is going to go, even though I'm not totally sold on it. But I, I do believe this is capable of being an incredible marketing effort as well as developmental. But if they don't do it on both ends, I do think this is going to be ended up wasted, wasted time uh, when it's all said and done. Let me know what you guys think, y'all. Right, hit me up in the comments. Let me know what is going through your minds with it. Now with a little bit more information of why they did it. Uh, thank you, Matt McCarthy, for allowing me to use your stuff. You can always check us also all out on his show, The Rugby Odds, uh, betting show for all things rugby uh, happening around the world, particularly within Six Nations, which is obviously all this next three more weeks, four more weeks, um, Japan League One, Top 14, Guinness Premiership, and, of course, MLR whenever it gets back in URC. So uh, we'll be right back. Uh, we are going to get into it with the people in the comments. Uh, always the best part, reacting to the comments. Uh, we'll be right back. Rugby Swag Show with Gift Gift Time, a Baylou. Uh, stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. I'm going to let you get back to the show. I hope you guys are enjoying it so far. But in 2024, it is necessary that you have your own website. Don't let anybody tell you social media is the only place that you can be able to advertise. You need your own home. And the best home to be able to purchase online is through Green Geeks. This is the web host platform that gives you the most for the cheapest price, y'all. I've been using Green Geeks for almost 10 years now. And off the word 
podcasting platform, I've been able to customize and create websites to my desire and to the liking that I need. Included with it, they give you some of the best customer service in the business, and I cannot say enough about them. They have been able to be a great assistance to everything I do. And if you guys want to be able to start today at $4.95 per month, go to the link in the bio or the link in the caption, depending on where you're at, and go use it to help the show and get your site up right away. There's no reason that you need to be having complications that you need to be having paying thousands of dollars to be able to do it or even thousands of dollars per month to be able to get your website up. Go to Green Geeks, check it out, support the show. All right, let's get you back. All right, welcome back, y'all. Yo, as always, yo, let's check out the reactions in the comments where I take a look at what you guys talked about on our stories from previous uh, our previous stories that you talked about this week. Like I always say, I'm always appreciative of the time that you guys are willing to give to me and to be able to be part of the conversation because I truly, truly enjoy the conversation uh, like no other. So uh, as it's as it uh, properly goes, let's uh, jump into it uh, right now. I always hate it whenever this thing does this. All right, there we go. All right. So first and foremost, uh, let's take a look over here uh, by my guy uh, Joe Ritchie. Second, uh, he found out I found our uh, documentary Singapore to Tokyo, uh, and he was like, "Hey, man, ha, uh, found it." Road, not road, great stuff. He had talked about it before. Um, but uh, this was actually, I had met him, uh, one of the few rugby media guys, a uh, person of color, black man in, in rugby media at the Rugby World Cup in 2015. He was like, uh, you know, I definitely can relate. I'm totally a bike dude myself. Rode 15 miles each way yesterday to drop something off at the post office. And barring stormy weather, I'm still on the bike every day here in Thailand. Not sure I'd try the streets of Bangkok, though I did ride a lot in busy parts of Hong Kong before we left. That was a cool video, though. It was quite a challenge, though I kept waiting for you guys to get the bikes to Japan. You know, all, all you got to do is just finish it out. You know, just, just, just you know, go, go pick it up and uh, finish it out. <laughs> <laughs> and then shout out to USA Rugby League Union fan saying, I taught English in Chiang Mai in 2001. Love that country. Thailand, absolutely legit. Like I said, heading over there, um, heading over there, uh, you know, this uh, next week uh, to be able to get, you know, you know, my rugby on. All right. Um, Kevin Cinnamon Toast 3669 said, uh, in regards to the story about Welsh rugby star Lewis Rees Zam uh, 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 Zamet uh, heading to the NFL. And uh, Kevin says he will dominate the NFL. I got to say, I think that's absolute nonsense. Though, that being said, there's been a lot of good uh, video of him performing, catching over at IMG Academy as he's getting ready and continuing to process his way through, you know, making running routes. Uh, you know, you never know. You really never know. Again, I, I don't have the highest hopes because there's not a great history of skill players really actually performing uh, in the transition from rugby, uh, rugby in England or through the IPP and then uh, showing out over the long term in the NFL. But again, anything's possible. First time for everything. Uh, but, you know, you see what he's going to have to going to see what happens with him on that one. 
All right, my boy Jason Bray, Ultra Sports, uh, talking in response to David Letterman setting his eyes on the NRL purchase. Uh, this was the story of David Dave Letterman talking about him maybe or maybe not purchasing in to the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the uh, rugby league team that's owned by famously owned by Russell Crowe. And Jason was like, "What? How did he know this before I did?" And I say to that brother, "Hey, man, look." When you win the when you in the game, you're in the game. All right. You gotta, you gotta, you can't, it can't be slipping. All right. You can't be slipping like that. We right here always, right here always. <laughs> and honestly, y'all, this was probably one of the most popular stories of this week. A lot of people uh jumped in on this one, which is great because you know, this this is probably absolutely fictitious. You know, it's David Letterman talking about worldwide pants sports. Worldwide Pants Plus, like he has a streaming service, but I love to be part of the joke. And again, you never know. You never know. Uh, Rit the Rugger, 160, my guy, uh, says, isn't the Rabbitohs Russell Crowe's team? And this was a nice little response. We're going to go through it. Peter-CI1EF goes, Peter Holmes, a court, has o part ownership of the Bunnies or did. Uh, Matthew Hughes, 9161, Go responding to Peter said Holmes, a court sold his share in the team about 10 years ago. It's currently owned by Russell Crowe, James Packer, and Mike Cannon Brooks. And of course, because we got a great community, everybody's supporting Peter, thanking Matthew, and uh, uh, that being confirmed by Rick Vaughn 9817, and also uh, Peter going. Pete's family has been a supporter of the Rabbitohs for a very long time, but he's got other businesses going on, and he obviously doesn't agree with the limelight on him. Fair enough. Which, great. Uh, Robbie Balboa uh, goes, the NRL are staging two matches in Las Vegas in two, a month or two. Like, what the NFL do in London? South Sydney are playing in one of the matches, so it might have been a slight tap from Russell Crowe to hand him over a jumper. Which, again, makes perfect sense. You know, you get it. Dave, again, is the former king of late night. Now, I don't know if he's necessarily as high popular amongst a certain generation just because it's been like almost a decade since he's been on the air. But it doesn't take away from the fact that Dave is still a very, very influential person in the in the celebrity community. And obviously, he brought a lot of attention over to this video. So it's not something that's out of the realm of uh, uh, possibility. And it would be a good marketing promo. It would be a great marketing promo. User-SK9QO6TS8D said, Rapidos have had an LA slash star connection ever since Russell Crowe has been a part of the club. Of course, you know, again, Russell Crowe is a crazy man. That's what he does. He supports his own. Kenny fucking Powers uh, goes doesn't even know the correct name of the sport, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, talking about the fact that Dave called it rugby when obviously, when it comes to rugby league, it is preeminently known as just rugby league, with rugby being the uh, common uh, name for rugby union. Uh, Darren Gifford 7442 goes, Don't try and F us over, David. Murdoch tried and failed. We are the oldest, the loudest, and the proudest. And when you're fair dinkum, I don't know what that means. We welcome you. Don't forget it. It's people's club first. So I love that kind of passion. Like, yo, protect your club, son. 
protect your club. You don't want nobody messing with your club. That's what it's about. It's about that life. And of course, you know, in response, because we got a very engaging community, uh, top hat that underscore promotions and marketing goes, you actually believe all the BS? Hey, man, again, you never know. You never, never truly know. Um, let's see, we, we got, uh, okay, we got a couple, we got a couple more from it. Um, let's see, uh, uh, I, I love this by Crazy Praying Mantis 5596 saying, always take comedians seriously, <laughs> which works perfect because, uh, Simone Young 9388 goes, it's the, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, F he loves the game. He doesn't know it's called rugby league. You know, gotta love it. Got gotta love it, man. Uh, I, I think that's it's super hilarious. Uh, in response to our last reactions to the comments, uh, Rit the Rugger 160 goes, uh, getting ready to watch the Six Nations on Peacock last Friday. I noticed that they had a show called Scrum, so I watched it over the weekend. Uh, it's the story of the Queens College rugby team, Charlotte, North Carolina, and their head coach, uh, the first African-American head coach to win a collegiate national championship back in 2019. <laughs> and he took Queens from not having a team to national champs in three years. I'm sure you want to watch it. Now, for you non-American readers, I should point out that one of the flaws of the USA Rugby Football Union is that in a nation that lives on college sports, they seem to have no interest in the college game. The schools have subdivided themselves into three separate leagues that have different seasons, and many of our best schools can't play each other because of it. I didn't recognize what are considered the best rugby schools in that championship. However, going from no teams to a championship in three years, no matter the league division, is one hell of an achievement. And yeah, you know, that actually is in regards to uh, Frank McKinney, uh, who's I, I know him. I remember actually before it came out asking questions about uh, black male rugby coaches at a D1, uh, D2 or so level on for men's side. Uh, from the women's side, there's been uh, quite a few. And uh, even that being said is a little bit iffy. Uh, obviously, you have uh, people like um, Kevin Battle, who has been with absolutely prolific with Santa Barbara. Uh, we talked with Lance Cavanaugh in a previous episode about their team. Um, you know, we've had plenty of women's head coaches that were run by black men. So uh, it, good documentary. I give a lot of it to credit to Queens College for putting it out there and that it's on Peacock and that they're able to to do something with it. And uh, in terms of like the, the, the scenario with college rugby, I would disagree with the factor that people don't care about college rugby or that USA rugby doesn't care about college rugby. But, uh, and in fact, I think it's actually really uh, one of the strongest pillars of USA rugby. That being said, uh, obviously there's a lot of commotion that goes along with it. So it's really actually split in yeah, to, to three sides. You have your NCAA, NIRA level um, that goes through uh, the accreditation of the NCAA which is uh, a governing body for all of college uh, sports, um, uh, top-level sports. 
Uh, then you have NCR, National College Rugby, that carries one side. They initially were starting with smaller schools, uh, not necessarily D3, but the smaller population schools and have evolved to be able to hold uh, D1, D2, D3 schools all together and have found them way into as an entry point and found friction with USA Rugby. And then, of course, you have CRAA, which is the other side of college rugby that has a lot of preeminent D1 teams. Uh, top D1 men's and women's teams, same with NCR, um, and D2, D3 teams, D1, 2A teams. So, yeah, it's split. It's confusing. Uh, obviously, everybody's trying to get their piece of the pie in their own way. It'll, it, it, it's, it's, it, it, I have faith it all works itself out. Um, and, of course, you know, not everybody's able to play. There's a million and a half different kind of championships that happen. But, you know, as long as we still have some action, uh, I, it's the least that I can uh, uh, take from that. Um, uh, Jonathan uh, Widora eighty one. Uh, Jonathan Witoria Witiora uh, eight one zero two. In in response to our uh, interview with Wendy Young, which you guys absolutely can go check out. We just posted it this past this week. Uh, great of your Scrum Half connection. Top women's. Uh, rugby, media, everything, just everything. Uh, they said, Wendy Young, I must say, she's got to be the best women's rugby commentator out for women's rugby in America and international rugby as well. And she is on MLR, and she does a great job in rugby commentary. Wendy talked about that, in it, and I, I hopefully agree. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of great. Like, talking with her was amazing. I recommend to go take that out if you get time after this one. I know it can be a little bit uh, heavy. This is a long one. But, hey, you know, this is part of the process. We want to make sure on your travels, on your day, you got something to keep you going through. And uh, uh, take this last one from Joe Ritchie. Um, Joe Ritchie, too, talking about how MICR uh, got its $1.1 million grant to build a new field. Uh, and uh, Joe goes, nice. I'd like to hear more about how MICR did their successful grant proposal. I'm sure other communities would be eager to learn about those details. You know, I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And I think it's about copying blueprints to be able to see those uh, meteoric rises. I give a lot of shout out to my guy, Shane uh, Young, who is a director and has worked tirelessly, tirelessly. That man is the energizer bunny for that program and has done so much selflessly. I, I give him so much credit. And I know that their 12 years of work that they've been doing allowed them this was a lot put in and then obviously being able to work with different schools within the area seeing success in their graduation rates seeing success in academic performance by the students obviously they played well when it matters the city's going to notice you do things that make a value change that levitate not just what happens in rugby what happens within the total community and you'll see people wanting to gravitate on to be a, a part of of that mission so uh a, a lot of credit Goes out to him on on that one. A, a ton, a ton, a ton of credit for for that. So, all right, y'all. You know, I, I I think this is where we can begin to uh, call it, uh, y'all. I want to thank you so time to listen. 
process uh obviously like i said we got a bit of a changing schedule over the next couple weeks uh next week we won't we'll have interviews on uh eddie evans and subsequently rosalind chow uh the week after we're gonna see what happens depends on the travel timing all that most likely we'll do something like this again um but of course as always, I always appreciate the participation that you guys bring to this. Uh, and I appreciate you guys telling your friends, telling your people, allow them to be able to get a part of the rugby experience without necessarily just watching rugby. Um, there's so much more to this sport and we want to be able to grow it in so many different ways. I also want to thank um, Eusebio Guignetu for being our guest and for explaining Argentina rugby. Like I, like he said, go check him out. Uh, absolutely is making game changes over there and, and, and you know, we continue to want to be able to bring more and more people on, be able to talk, inform you, to put recognition on who making significant moves around in rugby overall. But y'all, uh, I want to absolutely let you know that I hope that you guys are happy. I hope that you guys are healthy. But most importantly, I hope that you know that you are truly highly favored. Until next time, y'all. Cheers.